What up, what up, what up, everybody? This is the Dr. Football Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Dennis Tian, recording today from the Hedge Better studio in Braintree, Mass. With me, as always, the CEO, Captain of Industry, Justin Fine <laughs> of uh, Hedge Better LLC. Justin, what's going on, brother? Oh How are you? God, man, it's another brutal Monday following another brutal Sunday. The Patriots, they're just relentless on us on their fan base this year it's tough yeah i mean this is this is what life is like in the nfl i mean you have these terrible years and we've just we have totally false impressions in new england because of this abnormal 20-year run that that has never been done before and probably will never be done again but this is the reality of life in the nfl bad years are, are how are, are common and and every team every franchise has them and right now I think it's pretty evident this is going to be a bad year for this team and they're long overdue. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, look, we just lost to what we probably pegged at the beginning of the year was going to be one of the easier games on our schedule. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, you know, that doesn't tell you that it's going to be just a grim, grim rest of the season. I mean, after an already dismal start, uh, hope is hope is slim to none at well, this point. It is abs- absolutely is, is slim to none. So let's get right to it. We're going to start with a kickoff. That's the opening take. We used to set the table for the podcast. We're going to go through a couple topics here at the beginning, a couple of the big issues around the franchise. We're going to get to the breakdown where we go through some of the real decision points, the inflection points in the game yesterday. There actually were quite a few good things to talk about from the game yesterday. And then we're going to go around the league and talk about where some somewhere some where there's actually real meaningful football being played because unfortunately that doesn't look like it's going to be here for a long time. So let's just start with the kickoff, Justin. The Patriots are one in five and yesterday was just another crushing, heartbreaking, painful loss. And you go back to that Seattle game in week two of 2020 and you just look at some of the losses the Patriots have had in the last four seasons since Brady left. And it's just unbelievable the way this team that for so long was was always felt like they were winning these games and always coming out on top in these tight situations and now they're just completely losing in like the most crushing unimaginable painful way possible consistently they they seem to lose these close games just in ways you couldn't even dream that they might lose them. I think you can even add yesterday that list a little. And what really shocks me, Justin, and what I want to start with today is that they can't win close games. Um, they're now one in five. Um, I think there were signs of, of life yesterday, but I think there were also signs and things you could really be concerned about in the week leading up to the game. And we're going to talk about some of those. I know going into the game yesterday at one and four, statistically, the Patriots had a 3% chance to make the playoffs. Mm. That was yesterday. Every single one of us marked yesterday as a win before the season started. And I think that we all thought that was a game the Patriots would take. Now they've lost that game. I think it's safe to say there is not one game on this schedule, not one including the Jets, who are playing better, including the Colts, who are one game out of the wild card, including the Commanders, who who show pop and fire and have a good young quarterback that's at least moving the ball. Not one game on this remaining schedule is, 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 I think, an automatic win or a game that I would even say they're necessarily favored in at this point, given how bad they've been. Um, 
I can't believe they're in this position with Bill Belichick as their coach, by the way, but because I never thought that would happen. But what should, how should the Patriots approach the rest of this season? I think is a real question facing this franchise. And should they look to be sellers at the trade deadline, which is coming up in two weeks? Should we be hoping that for them to lose so that they can get better draft position? Are we still rooting for them to win? Are we pushing for the six or seven win season that might be their best case scenario right now? Or do they just completely throw it all out the window, completely trade at the trade deadline and, and, and try and bottom out here and rebuild next year? Well, I think like the funny thing, like right off the bat is that, you know, it doesn't seem like this team necessarily has to sell off in order to bottom out, right? Like they're, <laughs> they're, they're already kind of at the bottom of the league, performing as one of the worst, if not the worst teams in the league. Um, and they're doing it with their cast of characters. Now, granted, they're down some guys, right? We've lost some really key guys over the course of the season. Um, and they're not coming back. And they're not coming back, right? But like to that point, it's like we do have some young talent on this roster. I mean, I don't think we're completely devoid of of young talent that you can try to build around. Um and we're in we're weirdly in a situation where we're kind of have like the best of both worlds, where it's like we're already being the worst without needing to get rid of any of the guys that you know we have. So like, why not just keep doing what we're doing? We're probably gonna wind up at the top two or three draft pick, if not number one. And you know, let these guys let these guys play, retain some of the young talent we have, carry it into next season when people get healthy. They're, they 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 right now are 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 one in five with. With with I would say, and, and you might disagree with this, I I agree. Like, I don't think there is any chance that that they can save their season right now. Because no. I and I don't think it, it it's even the quarterback. I mean, that's what everyone wants to talk about. It really is the roster of this team is just grossly deficient. Grossly deficient. And they are trending to being one of the worst teams in the league on their own, as you alluded to. But this is what I find really. I don't know, frightening, uh, concerning about that even. Right now, if the season ended today, they would have the fifth pick in the draft. They would be behind Denver. The Bears would pick twice because mm -hmm. the Bears have the Panthers pick. And yeah. I think I think another team, I want to say Arizona now, would pick ahead of them. So for all the talk of bottoming out, um, you know, we're tanking for Cal Caleb Williams, uh, Drake May. Um, there are a couple other top guys. The number five pick, you really aren't in position, maybe, to, to, you know, you're going to have to trade up if you want one of those really top quarterbacks. So as much as you say that that, that they're, they're, they're a bad team of their own devices, the reality is if they really want to bottom out, they may really have to do something like trade Mac Jones or, or, or trade some other players or start Malik Cunningham or, or do something like that because... The, the, as bad as this is, it's not even bad enough to get a top four pick right now. Well, I, I think it's to make matters a little worse, right? I don't know if you you saw recently what what Caleb Williams came out and said, but you know we're talking about what if the Patriots are fortunate enough to get this high draft pick? What if they bottomed out, right? Uh, 
we weren't on Caleb uh, Williams' list of places he would come and play. That's right. right? There were so, five. Right. And he he basically said, you know, look, with the new NIL deals that are in place in college, he's like, I can make just as much, if not more money, to go back to college and play another year than to come into the NFL. So I'm not doing it for a bum organization or somewhere that I don't want to go play for. Right? In so many words, that's basically what he came out and said. And it's just funny to think that this organization that we thought of as just such a pinnacle of like success in like where people come to win and play is now not even on this college kids list of places he would consider coming to play if he was drafted. And how many college kids like actually have that authority and that power to wield? You know? I, I, I think, you know, he listed the Giants, Dallas, Vegas. There there was one or two yeah. others. I think that he listed um he listed Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota, yeah, Minnesota. Which was interesting. And San Francisco. And San Francisco. Yeah. But but I have to think that if I mean, I still think the Patriots are a desirable franchise, if only for the ownership, the stability, and the size of the market. And yeah. I think that realistically, if you're Caleb Williams, you could do so much worse than come to New England. For sure. Because he can play his cards right and say, hey, you know what? I don't want to go to New England. I'm going back in school. He could have a bad year. He could get hurt. Or worse yet, he could do worse next year, right? What if next year, Arizona or Tampa Bay or a real B-level franchise has the number one pick? Then he really has a lot less leverage. He can't go back to school. Now he's almost stuck going to a bad franchise. I feel like if he had the chance to come to New England, he would. Now, I'm not saying that I necessarily want the Patriots to tank for Caleb Williams. Right. I just think that, you know... Um, you know, he, he made his list, but I think there is some flexibility and I still think the Patriots are a desirable location in there. The point being is that for this team to be, for this franchise, the Patriots to even be in contention where they're going to even have a chance at one of those top guys, actually, it's actually going to have to get worse than it's already been. Yeah. Yeah. And that's somehow almost unthinkable. <laughs> like how does it get worse from here? Right. I mean, it's, it's tough to think. Yeah, I, I mean, well, it's funny because some of the teams ahead of them have actually shown quite a bit more. Like I would agree. Arizona yeah. has shown more. Even Denver right. has, has had at moments where they've at least moved the ball. And I, I mean, not, they're nothing special, but I don't think it's been quite as bad as no. it as it's been here in New England. So I, I don't know what they do with the rest of the season. I think I mean, the thought crossed my mind yesterday as I was watching the game and watching them lose the game and watching the safety at the end of the game. And I'm like, this hurts, but in the long term, this really might be the best thing for this franchise to just lose games like this. And yeah. I mean, I'm always going to root for, for the Patriots to win because I think that's just what it means to be a fan. But at the end of the day, I'm really not going to be too upset if they lose for the rest of this year because it's just going to improve their position and and I think ultimately set them up for a better future. This team this year is not going anywhere. They're no, I mean, that's anywhere. the thing. What, what like benefit do we stand to gain if this team wins five, six, seven games, right? Like I think if, if anything- And that's the ceiling right Exactly. Now. Exactly. So yeah, I, I agree. I'm 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 down with getting that draft pick as, as high as we can. Now what we do with it, that's another question. Right. right. And and that's that that is another question. That kind of leads to the next topic because um, you know, the weekly update on Bill Belichick, we have we have to give it. Um the, the Belichick doomsday clock, I, I think is at like eleven fifty nine and thirty <laughs> seconds right now. Yeah. Like I think it's very clear that that there is going to be change 
barring something crazy, like this team wins 10 of their last 11 games, which I just don't think they have no. the horses to do that. No. So barring something crazy like that, I think it's very evident that there's going to be some kind of major organizational change going into next year. They already tried to tinker with the coordinators and it didn't work this year. So, you know, you're going to have a, a top draft pick, the potential to bring in a new quarterback. It's hard for me to see that that the current arrangement is going to be the, the, the um, regime in charge with those kind of draft assets and resources at their fingertips. Would you, Justin, one of the things that I've heard a lot of people say this week, when we talk about Belichick and his future with his franchise, um, we talk about Belichick, the coach and the GM. And yeah. Belichick, the coach, I think you can still make an argument as a good coach. Now, I have some concerns about Belichick, the coach, both on the field and in the locker room. Belichick, the GM, there's no more debate. It's been a total failure from, from A to Z. There's no question about it. Like the last five years, Bill Belichick has been a terrible GM, probably the one of the worst GMs in the league. He's left the cupboard absolutely bare. And there's no way they can go into next season with Bill Belichick as the GM. No. There is a way. They could go into next season with Bill Belichick as the coach. If you could convince Bill Belichick to stay here as the coach and give up all the GM duties, is that something the Patriots should even be interested in right now, you think? I think I'd be interested in it. I mean, you know, to me, I... My, look, here's my big thing is, you know, has does he still have the locker room, right? Does, does he still have what it takes to get down there... And, and put together, you know, uh, uh, just a, a quality game plan to get the most out of his guys, get them disciplined, get them prepared. Because that's like what we're not seeing. Like we we have plenty of qualms with Bill Belichick, the GM. But like lately my issue is with Bill Belichick, the coach, because like we're seeing things out of this team that we just normally don't see out of a Patriots team, out of a Bill Belichick coach team. So it's like I would like to, the, the the optimist in me, the, 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 the Patriots fan for the last, you know, two decades in me would like to sit here and think that, hey – well, maybe if we take the gem duties away and just keep him as the coach, things will go back to the way they were. But like, I haven't really seen any signs that would tell us that, you know, keeping him as the head coach is the way to go. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what I, I feel like I would hate, I would love the part of me that's a fan would love to see a way that Bill Belichick stayed here. To be right, honest, exactly. I don't hate Belichick. Exactly. I'm not a Belichick hater. I mean, I come on here and I complain about him all the time, but that's just calling a, the, the, the kettle black. I mean, that's what it is. It's calling yeah. it what it is. Right. I mean, it hasn't been a good four or five year run. Belichick, the GM and the coach, there's been a lot of issues. The fan of me would love to see him stay Agreed. here. Um, the, but there's no way he can stay here as the GM. The GM, Bill Belichick, the GM, absolutely has to go this year. Bill Belichick, the coach... I'm concerned, but I'm also open-minded that maybe keeping him another year and seeing how he does. Okay, maybe it's it's I mean, there's arguments for and against it, is I guess what I'm saying. One of the things that would concern me about that, and I think you just alluded to this, is the lack of discipline on this team. It's been a four-year trend now for this team just yeah making mental mistakes and it's not just the quarterback it's all of the players and most especially the linemen okay the linemen, yeah. which is what belichick was known for having discipline in that way this team takes more damn penalties on the offensive line pre-snap penalties post-snap penalties uh you saw it yesterday a couple huge holding penalties one by uh i think it was mafi another by hunter henry that's what would concern me about keeping belichick here is that we're talking about philosophy 
and whether his philosophies still work. And I think that's a very valid conversation to have. But we're also seeing a pattern of just sloppy, undisciplined football that has just gone on for not one year, not two years, not three years, four years. This is the fourth year of it. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, it doesn't end. It just every week. It's every week. It doesn't end in, you know, but like not, not to like go back to this, this argument, but like, you know, we talk about how, and I, I don't know, I, I would say the team in general has been more undisciplined, but I think you hit on it. I think it's specifically been the offensive line, right? Like I think the offensive line has stood out above any other group position is, is being just like completely a mess and undisciplined. Like they have definitely had the most costly penalties, the most costly mistakes, right? Yeah, but they've had three offensive line coaches in that time you're alluding to. For sure, yeah. for, for sure. But you know, I'm, I'm wondering, I know again, there's a lot of coaching that goes into it, but part of me wonders, you know, just how much of it is the difference in, in, in who's under center, right? It's just like, I don't think you can take, I don't, you could have the best coaches in the world out there, the most disciplined coaches out there. And I always think as a player or as an offensive lineman, you're going to find some way to just be that much more disciplined if the greatest of all time is under center behind you, right? And you know that you're, he's your responsibility. And I think like, no matter what, it's tough to, hold the line to the same standards when they're defending a, a Mac Jones who they've never even seen gone out and win a freaking big game for them versus when they have, you know, the, the goat back there. I just think that changes and elevates a little bit of, of, of the line play. And I think that's something that coaching can't account for. I don't know. I mean, so now we're blaming Mac too for the bad offensive line I'm not play. Blaming, I'm not the, blaming the Mac. I'm false starts. I mean, I get see, what you're saying. You know what I mean? I don't think it's Mac's fault. I'm saying, I think it's just, a mental thing. It's like, I, you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't know. I, I like, I'm picturing myself if I was on the court playing basketball and I'm, if, I, if I'm in a two on two game and my teammates, Michael Jordan, I'm probably hustling a lot harder than if my teammates, my buddy, you know what well, I mean? So it's, I think it's just like, who, who else is? Well, who, here's the thing. Here's know? the thing with what you're saying though. Like, yes, when you're putting a rookie fourth round pick out there, Antonio Mafi, who has no business starting at this point in his career, right. then yeah, you know, you're right. Maybe Brady's presence and greatness elevates a, a, a below average player like that to go in and give his best and be mentally disciplined and perform and not make mistakes. But we all know Mac Jones isn't Tom Brady. That's well established. We're not going to find another Tom Brady. There was only one Tom. Brady and and even guys of that ilk come along once in a generation. So I mean, look at the the Bears and I mean, look how many teams have been looking for that guy forever and they can't find them. So the reality is, most NFL franchises they're hoping to get a good but not great quarterback that they can win with. And whether Mac Jones is or isn't that, it's really incumbent upon this franchise to to surround whoever that quarterback is with the right pieces. And that includes a competent offensive line that can, that can play the game and not shoot themselves in the foot consistently. This team goes out every week and makes two, three, four, five offensive line mistakes, For penalties sure. and other mistakes that kill drives, literally kill drives. You get how many possessions in a game? 10. Well, this team actually gets half as many because half the, half of their possessions are ruined by the fact that their offensive line is completely incompetent and undisciplined. And that's been a four year trend. To me, at some point, I point that to the coach. Well, so that, so that, my, like, my, my differentiation there isn't to point the blame at Mac. It's to say, it's to go, it's back to that whole argument that we've been having for four years, right? Of who was more responsible for the success for that culture that was developed here, right? I think this is just an even further, uh, 
piece of evidence that it was Brady. Because what I'm saying is, I think I agree with you. I think it goes back to the fact that maybe that lack of discipline that we're seeing now isn't because Belichick has all of a sudden, you know, lost his way. It's because maybe it was Brady the entire time. And maybe that, the, you know, the offensive line of the players before, it wasn't so much Belichick keeping them in check. It was, it was the GOAT. I, I, I don't know. I, but you no, know I, I, mean? I think, I think that is a fair point. And right. I mean, look at what Brady did in Tampa Bay. Right. Like that was not a, a disciplined team at, for, I mean, that was a historically a laughing stock of a franchise. And all of a sudden right. they played disciplined when Brady went down there enough to win exactly. and to be that kind of team. And you saw a lot of what we thought was the Patriot way that we thought was Bill Belichick's way actually follow Tom Brady to Tampa Correct, Bay. Yes. And now, you, you know, we're, we're in our fourth year of the same crap happening on this team, which is undisciplined mistakes. And you have to wonder, you know, how much of it was just Brady's presence. But I, I mean, right. I don't disagree with that, but I, but I still blame the coach. I mean, the coach, you know, For sure. uh, there are, there are teams all across this league every day that every week that line up and manage to not shoot themselves in the foot with offensive line penalties. This team can't do it. So, I mean, you know, you don't have to have Tom Brady to be a disciplined team. Tom Brady may may have helped them be a disciplined team, but you don't have to have Brady. There are many coaches that, that are able to successfully have a disciplined football team that doesn't undermine themselves and thwart half their possessions every week with penalties and missed blocks and baddest blown assignments, etc. But this team hasn't been able to figure out in four and a half years. So that's my biggest concern for bringing right. Belichick back is just just the lack of discipline that 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 makes me say you know what what has changed here? Okay, Brady's gone. Is Belichick getting old? Is he not putting as much time in? Is he not as detail oriented and thorough? Um, does he not understand the game and the way the game has changed? What is it that makes this team every week look like they are just a sloppy, undisciplined football team for the better part of four years? And do I want that guy as my head coach for the next chapter? Right. Yeah, they, exactly. And those are all questions that I think are right now still up in the air. And it's going to be, you know, like, like, let me ask you this. Are you looking... Are you looking for answers to those questions throughout the rest of the season? Because like, if I'm being honest, I wonder how accurate of like a barometer the rest of the season is going to be. Because like, I just see this as a team who is like defeated. They can't get out of their own way. And I, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if Bill Belichick's true abilities are going to matter for this team. Like the season might be done over. It, it like, might be, but if Belichick is what we think he is, he's going to get the best out of this team. And right now we've seen for six weeks, I don't think that's really happened. Not at if, all. If, if they can figure it out and make themselves into a respectable team on the field, they don't have the talent really to truly fix this mess this year. Unfortunately, this is probably a several year rebuild now, given how bare the cupboard is from the damage Bill Belichick, the GM has done. But if they can come out and show on the field that they're a well-coached team, the quarterback improves, the lineman improves, the, the discipline improves. That goes a long way towards, for me, as saying that I would consider taking this guy back as coach as long as he's willing to give up the GM responsibilities. And I, and I think there's a lot of arguments against that too, like other arguments. Like yeah. I'm looking at the locker room situation now and I'm seeing guys from this franchise fire off on Twitter about playing time. Two guys did it this week, Jayla Mills and Kayshawn Booty. That would have never happened before. And the initial reaction to something like that is, okay, well, Belichick's losing control of the locker room. And that might well be the case. And there's probably some truth to that. But the other side of the coin is, you can't help but wonder, does, 
these guys, this generation of players, this is how they communicate. So if Bill Belichick is going to have a problem with guys like Keishon Booty and Jalen Mills and other players going to social media and expressing themselves, you have to step back and say, wait a second, is this really even a good fit anymore for the new generation of NFL player? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The I old mean, old methods of Bill Belichick. They just don't really seem to apply now, right? Like, you know, you look at it and it's like <laughs> before, I, I think you used to think of it initially as like, oh, players taking to Twitter to like almost like tattle or like expose, right? But now, like you said, it's just the way they communicate. It's like, it's almost like a different form of connecting with the reporters after, you know, in, in the locker room or at the press conference. Um, and Bill has always wanted his players to kind of, you know, treat reporters like, you know, like, hey, like keep them in the dark, feed them crap. You know what I mean? Like right. he, he's wanted his players to do that too. And that's part of the Patriot culture too. We we always saw, it, it didn't matter whether it was the, you know, starting quarterback or superstar or bench player, everybody in that roster almost followed like a, a speech, like a template when they talked to the media and, and made public Wes Walker comments, got right? benched for a playoff yeah. game that yeah. they lost for a quarter because he made a subtle reference to feet about yeah, Rex, yeah, Ryan. Rex Ryan. Yes, that, was, yeah. that was in twenty. 14, not yep. even that long ago, or mm -hmm. 2012, whatever it was, not even that long ago, 10 years ago. It's a different world now. These guys take to social media, they express themselves, they don't right. want to be silenced. It's seen as as completely um, stifling to, to take away the voice of these young people. And no one, no one should do it. No one's going to do it anymore. Belichick's old methods really clash with the way he runs a locker room really clashes with the new NFL player. And I think you really have to wonder if, if that's another concern going forward. If you, you really want this guy coaching your team, you, we know he knows his X's and O's. That's a third, another question, I guess, but we know, we think he knows his, we know he knows his X's and O's. We don't know if those old X's and O's work as well anymore. Fine. But do you really want this guy managing your locker room with all these young guys? And he's so old school. I don't think you do anymore. And I, you know, you look at, you just look at like the way that this team seems to be just losing hope, right? And losing steam. And it's like, I think you're almost, we're almost answering our own question where it's like, it just seems that these guys are not motivated to go out there and, and give their best, like uphold like the Patriots reputation, like put in their best effort for like Belichick and like this, 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 this organization. Like it just seems like there's a, a lackluster there. Like when I watch the Patriots, I feel like I'm watching like the Lions or the Commanders in a Patriots uniform. Like that's what I feel like. Oh, I don't absolutely. feel like I'm watching like the, the Patriots, you know, go out there play. And I think part of that is because like you said, um, I just don't think everybody's as bought in as they have been in the past. It, it, there's no question about it. And I guess, you know, what I would say, just to say one more thought yeah. on this topic, and then we're going to move on to the quarterback. And that's, look, you know, I mean, it sounds easy and great to say um, Bill Belichick, the GM has to lose his job, but let's keep Bill Belichick the coach. But it's certainly not a cut and dry no. thing at this right. point. Right. Okay. All right. I'm going to pop off Facebook Live. If you like what you heard, by all means, check us out on Spotify and iTunes. And uh, we'll be back. We'll, we'll be posting on there tonight at about, uh, what time? About 6.37. We'll, we'll have this up. Have a great day, everyone. Okay, let's move on to the quarterback, Justin, okay? Yep. Let's move on to the quarterback. And there's a lot you can say about this franchise. Now, I said it two years ago um, when the whole Mac Jones, Cam Newton thing was going on. I'm going to say it again right now. Um, 
The mark of a bad dysfunctional NFL franchise is instability at the quarterback position. And you go back to this team, pre-Drew Bledsoe, early 90s, they had a ton of bodies in here. Tommy Hodson, Mark Wilson, Scott Zolak, who is not a good NFL quarterback, um, you know, aging Steve Grogan, um, Hugh Millen had a little run. If you have three guys, two guys, four guys, five guys, you have no one when it comes to the NFL quarterback. And I hear this week, Malik Cunningham, Will Greer, Bailey Zappi, Mac Jones. If you got four guys vying for the spot, you've got nothing. And that's really where this team is right now. And that's really, I think, the, the, the cardinal defining feature of a dysfunctional NFL franchise is instability at the quarterback position. And that's what this team has right now. I will say something that a lot of people are going to disagree with because everyone wants to kick this guy when he's down. I still think Mac Jones could be a good quarterback under the right circumstances. Jared Goff, Brock Purdy, Tua Tagliavoloa, these are guys that are physically similar to Mac Jones that are having good success in the NFL. Obviously, Jared Goff is a guy that had his highs and lows. Look what he's doing this year because he's surrounded by talent. Mac Jones needs talent surrounding him. Patriots haven't done it. We've talked about it before. The one thing I want to bring up today, just because there's this whole segment, and I see these people commenting on our Facebook posts all the time, that want to blame Mac Jones for like 100% of the problem here as a way to absolve Bill Belichick from the mistakes he's made. And I just think if you're that person, if you're listening right now, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand football. Very plain and simple. Because Mac Jones may not be a good quarterback. I have no idea. But I will say this about him. When you look at his ceiling, his ceiling might be the 2021 season. That might be the best you can get for Mac Jones. But how is he playing now? So much worse than he was. We've already seen in an NFL field that Mac Jones can be a much better quarterback than what he's showing us right now. <clears throat> so why is he failing? He's failing because the pieces around him don't bring allow him to, to be the player he should be <clears throat> because... And because he has undergone a crisis of confidence and psychological, he's all he's all mess right now because of everything that's just happened the last two years. It is the job of the organization to to get the best out of a player. They are not getting the best out of Mac Jones right now, Justin. Not even close. I mean, it's 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 tough to watch. In you know, and his best might not be that good. I want to make that clear. But they're not even getting that. No, they're not. Look, they're not getting close to his best. Um, this is a guy that I came out here after I watched the the the, the Philadelphia game and, and I watched the Miami game and I said, "Wow, Mac looks really good this year." Like you know, you can't blame those losses on him, right? And he just he's just done such a one eighty and reverted back to like his old twenty twenty two like self. And you know, I I think to your point, there's clearly, clearly not enough being done to help this kid out from a personnel standpoint, um, from, from, from a coaching standpoint, like everything that can be going wrong for this kid is going wrong. And you have to sit there and you have to wonder, and you have to say like, look, I would even take it a step further. And, you know, I'm, again, I'm not the biggest Mac guy, but I would take it a step further. And I would say, well, if what you like, what you saw in his rookie year, I wouldn't even call that his ceiling. I would say his ceiling is above that because yeah. there's no way that an NFL rookie's performance is his ceiling, right? Like, in that 21, 
2021 team, which was better than this team, still had a lot of holes and limitations. A ton of holes and limitations. So it's like, I look at that and I'm like, okay, you can't tell me that Max Sealing was his rookie year. Like if anything, like this is a kid who, and, and, and rookie year, Mac was someone that I think any team would have taken, uh, you know, to be a next potential franchise quarterback, rookie, you know, yada, yada. So I just look at it and I say, I, I really think that like, you know, we have done this kid a disservice. He's clearly underperforming now, but you know, I still think he has potential. As crazy as that sounds, um, whether some whether you can still get that potential out of him at this point, that's I, I think the, he has potential, you know? but I think that psychologically he is absolutely ruined right now. And I, I don't right. know if he'll be able to recover from this from his career in New England or beyond. He might have to be one of these guys that like Baker Mayfield that kicks around a couple times before he he fixes yeah. his career. Right. Look at Geno Smith in Seattle. It might have to be something along those lines for him. But I think, you know, the, the, the thing that really irks me is when people there, there is a segment of the fan base that just they want to put they they have this hypothesis that Mac Jones is the worst quarterback who ever played and he's taking down Bill Belichick in this whole franchise and if they could only get a good quarterback this team would be okay read the comments on some of the Facebook posts we've had there are a lot of people that still are so blindly loyal to Bill Belichick and they think that really and I'm sorry that is just completely idiotic at this point like Mac Jones may be a below average quarterback I think Mac Jones should be and could be a good quarterback if you surround him with the right pieces. But the bottom line is he's he's nowhere near right now what his what he showed us in 2021. He has become a worse player. He has regressed, and that is a direct function of what is around him. It is it is up to the the organization to give this kid a chance, and they they really haven't. So let, let let's be realistic about that. Yeah, it, completely realistic. They have not given him about, uh, his best chance. And that was even on day one. Even in his rookie year, he didn't come into uh, the best shot that he could have. It was not. I mean, Jacoby no. Myers was their best receiver. That was, I mean, really, I don't think Jacoby Myers is a number two. I think he's a three. I think he's scrappy. I think you're seeing, you know, right now, they made a huge mistake. We're going to talk about him in a second, letting him go. But, but that was not, I mean, compare that 21, 2021 team even to what, Tua has right now, or what Jalen Hurts has right now, or what Jared Goff has right now, or what Baker Mayfield has right now. And that team does not hold up even right. to that. Mac Jones has never at any point in his three-year career had top-level talent around him, had a top-five skill position core around him, a top-five offensive line. In fact, even from day one, I would say the Patriots were probably somewhere in the bottom third of the league in 2021, and you still got more from him. Now they are literally at the bottom of the league and they've just not only dragged him down with them physically, but they've also ruined him psychologically. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And he's a mess right now. He, he's a mess. All right. Um, let's talk a little about Malik Cunningham, Justin active yeah. yesterday. What, what did you think about that? I mean, he got crushed at once. I mean, it just goes to show you there really is no easy answer at, at quarterback because you bring in Malik Cunningham, he runs a play action pass. He gets sacked on the one time he drops back to pass. Um, th there is not going to be any easy fix for this offense. No, well, I mean, look, if you talk about the fact that the the, the core problem is the offensive line, the weapons, and then potentially the coaching, I mean, it doesn't. It seems like it doesn't really matter who you throw in there, right? It, those problems are going to linger from from person to person. So it almost feels like, I, or at least just in my opinion, for the sake of whoever 
is the next quarterback, whether they run it back with Mac Jones, whether they they move on from him to someone on the roster, whether they draft somebody new. I mean, I you got to fix the core issues that are affecting the quarterback position, I think, before you bring in a new quarterback. Because I would like to wipe the slate clean. In, in order to wipe the slate clean, you can't just plug a new quarterback into the same system that has the same issues and hope that it's going to get fixed. Right now, if you're asking me right now, I would say that that I am I think Mac Jones could be a good quarterback, yeah. but I'm totally comfortable with walking away from him and, and bringing in the next guy next year. If if he if he falls to you in the draft, you have the opportunity to take a Drake May or to take a Michael Penix, and you feel like this is the guy, then you go out and you do it, and you don't worry about what Mac Jones might be or could be because it, it just feels like he needs a break, you need a break from him. It's probably hard for me right now to see them coming back with Mac Jones in 2024. But I would say if you're looking for a reason why these last 11 games might be relevant, that's it. Because I want to see what Mac Jones can do, even in dire circumstances, you know, to show me that he's worthy of getting a fourth year. I mean, they still got this guy on a great contract. He has shown some flashes uh, at certain points. You could potentially, you get the fifth or sixth pick in the draft. There are two franchise tackles that are coming out. One of them's from Notre Dame. I forget what the other one's from, maybe Louisville. You know, you draft a franchise tackle. You spend some money in free agency. You surround this guy with real talent. You know, maybe, maybe if he shows something in these last 11 games, maybe you convince yourself to bring him back. That's why I think these last 11 games are relevant to see what, to see what you're going to do on Mac Jones. But right now, based on what I've seen, I'm totally comfortable walking away. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, me too. And it's so crazy because I don't think after that 2021 season, any of us thought that we would be saying that at this point. Um, I feel bad about it. I do. Yeah, I, f- I feel like he got a raw deal. I really do. I feel like he could, he he sh- he could be and should be uh, your guy here for the next ten years. But it's just it's become such a mess. Become such a mess, and you know you'd hate to see him go and be the guy somewhere else, right? But at this point, that might be a risk that you have to take. Like it, I I just don't know what you do unless unless you really think that this kid can somehow change it around like 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 we just said like you have to, there's underlying problems with the with the team on offense that you have to fix regardless of who the quarterback is right it's do you think that you've ruined mac to the point where even if you fix those things he can't put on a patriots uniform and and, and go out and perform his best. i really think that that's a that's a realistic cons, cons, right. realistic thing right it's very possible he just might be so ruined right. from and so in his own head right now that there is no salvaging him at least not in a patriots uniform right. he might be have to be one of these guys that just goes and gets a fresh start somewhere else sits behind someone for a year or two gets his opportunity and, and maybe gets a chance to redeem himself a la Geno Smith, perfect example. There have been a few other ones in yeah. the league. I, I really think it's gotten that bad. But that that's one um, you know thing I think that you, you can look at. Uh, one other question about the quarterback position, Justin, then we're going to move on. Bill Belichick hates Bailey Zappi. Why does Bill Belichick hate Bailey Zappi so much? I hate Bailey Zappi. I, I can't stand the guy. because, But it's more less because of him and more because of what the fans that, that just are clueless about what it what a what a good quarterback is and what it takes to have a good quarterback because it is a team sport and how fans just latched on to Bailey Zappi like he was some answer for this franchise when he's a fourth round pick. Um 
Belichick can't stand this guy and has done everything possible to replace him. It is a little puzzling to me that Belichick hates him so much. It's, it almost seems like maybe Zappy is kind of taking the stance that like, hey, I deserve to be the starting. Maybe maybe like Zappy's problems with Mac and Belichick are one and the same. It's like Zappy's in there thinking, not just similar to the fans, that hey, I deserve to be a starting quarterback. I proved in college I could play in the NFL. Um, and look at what you're getting out of your starter. And I'm not getting my shot. Um, all right, so uh, let's let's move on. I got I got a few more things we're going to talk about. Then we're going to get to the breakdown, go through some of the inflection points in the game yesterday. One thing that that struck me leading up to the game was the injury list. The Patriots had I think 15 people on their injury list last um, leading into the game against Vegas, and we kind of hit on this a few minutes ago. But I just want to bring it up because to me that was a huge red flag about where the mentality of this team is. Like when you reach that critical mass where saving your season just is so like remotely unlikely. You're at a, it's now where the Patriots mm-hmm. have a less than one percent chance of making the playoffs. Um, are you, are we going to start to see guys just like bail on this thing? You know, anytime you bang your thigh, you're, you're not going to practice and miss a game, you know, any minor injury that you could easily play through a player could easily play through. Now they're going to just sit out. And, 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 and I think, is that where they're headed? You think the rest of the year, 14 guys on the injury list. I did feel like they played hard on Sunday though. Well, you know, look, that's, that's one of those kind of catch 22s is like when you hit that point, and you have a bunch of guys who are starting to quit and are starting to dog it a little bit, you got a bunch of dudes who are no names that are trying to prove themselves that will come in there and will play hard, right? And I think that's kind of what you see is like, hey, like, you know, when the guys that are supposed to be out there are starting to give up, there's a dude who's relishing his opportunity to take the field and and play hard. So maybe it'll be one of those things where who knows? Like, you know, I do think we are going to hit that point. I do think we're going to start to see some of the starters and some of the bigger names maybe pack it in. Like, are you telling bit? me like, that Christian Gonzalez really couldn't come back from a labral tear in 14 weeks? Like, I, oh, I he 100% know. could. I, as a doctor, like, I find that hard to believe. For like, sure. I really do. Like, I, and, and I have, I, Beyond, I have major concerns about Christian Gonzalez as durability. Like I know the guy showed well and, and probably can play in this league, but durability is a huge part of being an NFL player. And we've seen many guys come into this league that are talented yeah. guys that can play, but can't stay on the field. I was concerned not only that he got hurt, but that he also is going to be out for the year. To me, this was almost like taking a red shirt year because to me, I think he, find it very hard to believe he couldn't come back but that's a great example of just guys being like all right you know we're we're 0 and 3 we're 1 and 2 we're 1 and 3 i'm not forcing myself back on the field let's try again next year well yeah look marcus jones had a torn labrum too right yep. and he came back in four games right so you look at that and you say look could that be the team saying hey you know instead of just letting it heal we're going to heal properly we're going to get him the surgery like we're going to let him take the time he needs to come back and cuz i know labrum surgeries that that that, that takes some time to come back from right it does but and, you don't always have to correct it surgically too like sometimes yeah. you can just you can just deal with a little bit of pain and do some physical therapy and i and then address it in the off season and i guarantee you there are a lot of guys in this league right now that are playing with torn labrums. It's not no, for sure. Depending on the nature and the size of the tear, which quite frankly, I have no information about, but it's very common for, for people to just function with labral tears. There are NFL players. I guarantee you that are playing with labral tears right now. It's no question about it. So, you know, did he really have to go to IR and miss 16 weeks of the season? You know, 
Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. Yeah, well, here's the one thing I just want to say, and uh, out of fairness, is when that type of situation, you don't know how much of it is someone like him saying, you know, hey, hold me out, and how much of it is like the team doctors and the team personnel and Belichick saying, hey, let's let's hold them out, you know. So you just out of fairness, we don't know who's making that. We decision, don't know who's right? making. It. So that's a fair you know? point. All right, let's move on to the breakdown, Justin, because uh, I want to get into some of the things that actually happened in the game yesterday. Yeah, um, there were actually a couple interesting inflection points, decision points in the game that are worth talking about. First and foremost. This team historically always defers when they win the coin toss. They always go on defense first. Yesterday, they did it again. Why do they continue to do that? They fall behind. They, they're very fortunate they didn't fall behind by seven. They were lucky. They fell behind by three. This team, I would love to see them if they could just get a damn lead. I don't think they've gotten a lead really, except for the Jets, once this year in any of these games, why do you defer? This is just another example of old-fashioned Belichick thinking, sticking with things that worked when you were 10 years ago, okay, five years ago, but now different team, different circumstances. It's time to change your thinking, Belichick. Why don't they take the ball in a road game and let Mac Jones come out and maybe, maybe, just maybe build some momentum get a lead for once and, and, and maybe get some good energy around this team. Yeah. Do you have I, a problem with them deferring yesterday? You know, I have to say, I, I, I look, it, it's one of those things where I don't know if, I mean, you seem to think it might make a difference. I can't say I, I have a strong opinion either way, if it would make a difference. Like my maybe, thing, maybe it wouldn't make a difference, right. but, but, but like, the fact, I, I would just say the fact is try something new. Try something, let, let's get on right. the aggressive here. Like right. let, let's, let, let's try and give, let's try and for once get a lead, not just give them the ball. And they, they, that, that opening drive the Raiders have, yes, they only had a field goal, but it was a seven and a half minute drive. Mac Jones literally barely saw the ball until the second quarter. There was a three and out on the Patriots first possession, right? Yeah. And their second possession. And neither of those three and outs were really particularly because of anything Mac Jones did. There was offensive line penalties on the first drive and missed blocks and bad running plays on the second drive. Why not give this kid the ball for once and say, okay, Mac, let, let's see if we can get a lead for once. Like, let, let's be aggressive. I mean, especially against a defense like that, like you would think that you could go down and get some points. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That's the worst defense you've played this year. Yeah. Take the ball. They ran the ball well yesterday for the first time this season. Get out there. Establish your running game. Maybe build a little confidence with your young quarterback. Get a lead. We know he plays better from ahead, unfortunately. A terrible indictment of him, by the way, mm -hmm. that he plays better from ahead than from behind. But nonetheless, play you know, play the game in a way that that puts him in a position where maybe he can build some confidence just for once. I didn't think that was the right move. Um, let's go to the the the, um, the penalty on that Raiders first drive. Special teams mistake. It did not end up costing this team, but it really could have and should have a ridiculous penalty on special teams. We talked about the offensive line penalties already. They had a t this team makes more damn special teams mistakes. That's the other thing. They got two special teams coach. They keep this guy Cam McCord who just. I don't know what this guy does or if he has like nude photos of Belichick or something, but why, you know, they, they for three years have been terrible on special teams. They bring in Joe Judge, this knucklehead, okay? And he's supposed to be a special teams guy and their special teams absolutely sucks. That was a huge mistake to me, falls back to coaching. You can't make mistakes and give teams another opportunity to score like that. No, not at all. Again, just another opportunity. This team shooting themselves in the foot and... um 
especially for this team because I feel right. like if they fell behind seven nothing, you're like, okay, this game's over. It's sad to say, but that's really how you feel. Well, and you wind up losing by what two? Was it two points or a couple? What right. was it? Nineteen seventeen. They lost or? nineteen twenty one to seventeen. But 17. it was nineteen yeah, seventeen so, yeah. before the safety. Right, right, yeah. But, but the Raiders ended up kicking the field goal there, so it didn't hurt them. The Patriots got the the stop. Right. It, but but still, you gave them an extra place. If they if they had fallen behind another four points there, it could have been devastating. I mean, they can't make mistakes like that. Yeah, a hundred percent. Let's talk about Jabril Peppers' interception. I, I love Jabril Peppers' game, Justin. The guy just balls out. Yeah, that was that was probably one of the best plays this team has had all year. Just a great physical play. Thoughts on Jabril Peppers' interception? Yeah, honestly, that's the type of play that. You're, you you just expect to see more of and like you want to see more of like that I feel like was the whole point of bringing in some of these like you know these harder hitting safeties these physical safeties guys like Jabril Preppers guys like Kyle Duggar like guys that can come in and deliver a big thump yeah, they right? really and, haven't made a lot of plays this year no they, 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 that was their first turnover in since the um, Miami game no and and, and and not only that but De Devontae Adams didn't have like a crazy game after that, because you you know you checked him, you, I I wouldn't be surprised if he's questionable uh, to practice today. You know what I mean? Like right. like that was that was what you need to do when you go up uh, in a big game. Is like you need to deliver big hits, and that was a legal hit. That was a legal clean yeah. hit that he delivered on Devonte. That not only caused an interception, but probably altered Devonte Adams's game as a whole. And like that's the type of stuff you need to do when you're going up against these these number ones and in, in in these these offenses. I was I'm glad they didn't throw a penalty flag on that play. I have to say I was surprised it was right. considered a clean hit because it just it just feels like there's such a narrow area where a player like Jabril Peppers can hit a receiver coming over the middle like that and not get flagged. Like it right. really has to be perfectly timed to the perfect part of his body and in no way, shape or form involve his head or his helmet in any way. 90% of the time, I feel like a player like that ends up getting a flag. It does, it so, does. so it's like, and it's like, you know, the Patriots have all these big safeties that I'm sure 10 or 15 years ago, they would be making plays like that left and right but now in today's game it's really hard to do what Jabril Peppers did and, and get away with it yesterday very difficult yeah yeah and you know what again that but that was like that was like an old school football that was just like an exciting play like you just you, as a fan you love to see that yeah you love to see it absolutely agree um let's talk about Jacoby Myers Justin and his yeah. touchdown yesterday you know I mean I it was just so predictable that that he was going to score oh, or yeah. make some kind of play yesterday. Of I mean, the guy never caught touchdowns in New England. I think that's his third touchdown in, in six games now for the Raiders. I think that says a lot about what's going on in this organization. And, you know, one of the things I want to bring up about Jacoby Myers is the fact that he seems to be doing better in Vegas than he did in New England. And I know we all thought he was a good player, but I didn't really feel like he made, he never caught touchdowns. He never made explosive plays. He's doing some of that now in Vegas. He looks like a better player in the Raider system than he did in the New England system. Isn't that kind of an indictment on everything that's happening here? Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, look, I think it's an indictment on everything though, but I, it's also an indictment on Mac too, right? It's an indictment it on is. everything. It's an it indictment is. on Mac. It's an indictment on the line, the coordinators, every- But why do you think he's doing better? Because I have a, a reason why. Because he's got Devontae Adams. He's got Devontae Adams. Right. So, so is it an indictment on Mac or is it, I mean, really, if Jacoby Myers is your best receiver, um, 
that then he's not the kind of player that's going to yeah. make those kind of plays. But if you put him out there with Devontae Adams and, oh, by the way, you have a first-round beast tight end that's kind of finding his own that takes a little bit of coverage away from him too, and he's able to do his thing, now you're seeing you get the best from that player. Yeah, yeah. And that's what, that's kind of what we said even when Jacoby Myers was here. We said, you know, he was he's a great three, arguably a good two, but he's not a one. And right. now you pair him up with a one who would command double coverage, command the, the right. majority of the attention. And you see he can be plan. a good two. He can be, yeah, he's, he's looking like a really good if two. If he has yeah. the best receiver in the game yeah. across from him. Yeah, I'll yeah. tell you another one that's very quietly having a similar results is Jonu Smith is on, is on pace to catch like 65 or 70 balls in Atlanta. Look, that's a guy that I said from day one, I hated how we misused him here. I thought it was just an absolute waste um, for whatever reason, but you know that that guy he did it in Tennessee. Now he's doing it in, in in Atlanta. He's just he's a freak. He's athletic. He's a good tight end. What? But but you know he's out there with Kyle Pitts, Drake right. London, B. John Robinson. They have talent around him. He doesn't have to be the focal point, like you said. You had high expectations for John U. Smith. We all did. They yeah. brought this guy in to be the fulcrum, the focal point, and that's yeah. not what he is. But when you surround him with the right talent to take the focus off him, you're seeing how productive a player he can be. John U. Smith is back to being a good NFL tight end because he doesn't have to be the man. That's it. And, and what Belichick did is he paid John U. Smith to be the man, but he wasn't really of that level and it just didn't work. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk about the Hunter Henry holding call, Justin. That was, a, I thought, a killer. I think, I think personally, I would go so far to say as if, if that 80-yard touchdown stays on the board, the Patriots win this game. Like, I really think that was just, they needed that so bad. At that point, they had been outscored 82-3 to in the last 10 quarters they played, which is stunning, okay, mm -hmm. um, that they could have that kind of a run. They hadn't scored a touchdown in four games. They desperately needed a play like that. Mac Jones made a terrific read on the blitz, got the ball out to Ezekiel Elliott, and finally, 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 somebody makes a play. The guy goes, takes it to the house, and scores. And then you get this holding on Hunter Henry. What do you think? Was it a right call? Uh I mean, I it was it was close. It was close, but I look. I mean, like the fact that we it just so happened to occur when we finally had a breakthrough. I think it doesn't that doesn't influence whether it's the right call or not. It was you just like I mean? an added kick in the it nuts. Just, it was, right, right. Really? It, it, it was, but like I I don't know. I guess like to your point is like it's just becoming par for the course. Is like whenever the Patriots like need a big player like you need to come up with like something big and do something well they do the opposite and they I, shoot themselves in the foot i, I want to say it was a terrible call but if i'm being honest i think it was a debatable call i don't think it was a clear-cut holding i no, think it was what? a 50 50. yeah i think you could go on either way on it i don't the irony is i don't think it really the part that they called for the penalty i don't think really affected the play right and and if i'm if i'm really being fair and honest as much as i want to complain about the referee and the call that was made, really the responsibility for that does fall on Hunter Henry. You cannot put yourself in that position to take to, to take a penalty like that in a spot like that. Agreed. Yeah. Big, big mistake. Um, Mac Jones's interception right before the half, Justin. Now, to me, very simple. Hunter Henry was wide open on that play. That was he a was. terrible, 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 terrible pass. Say, I mean, he didn't just miss that pass. But like, I mean, he freaking sailed that thing by 15 yards. I could have made that throw. I think I'm a lefty. I think I could have <laughs> made that throw with my right hand. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, the guy was wide open. I mean, all you had to do was drop it in there. So wide open. Yeah. It was just, it, again, it was that that's one that you really have. Like, look, we've talked about plenty of reasons why backs thought it fall for certain things. That's one. There's nobody else. hundred percent max. hundred percent. It was eerily reminiscent of the, um, the, the one in the uh, Monday night game from the bears last year that got him benched for Bailey Zappi. Yes. Rolling right. And just, Freaking sails a ball, Into like misses a by like, you know, 10, 15 yards. Uh, I don't know what, I, I mean, how could you miss? I mean, Hunter Henry was just so wide open. There was no one within 10 or 15 yards of him. Mm -hmm. I mean, lay the ball in there. It's just, it was a terrible play by yeah. Matt Jones. Okay, let's talk about the, um, the, the, what do I want to go to next? The the J, the JC Jackson penalty on the last drive, pass yeah, interference on Devontae yeah, Adams. Yeah. That again, you know, kind of ticky tack. I thought you thought it was ticky tack. Look, I, th I thought it was. I thought it was a good call, like in the sense that it was a pass interference. But I thought it was a little ticky tack to make like a game altering. PI call. Here's my beef with that call. Was that a catchable ball? No. It was not. It was not, it a, was catchable not ball. a catchable ball. He threw the ball out of out in the so why was that pass interference? Like I, you know, I saw them um DeAndre Hopkins in the morning in the the, the 9:30 a.m. game, really on a huge third down play, they threw a flag and picked it up because they said Tannehill sailed the ball. Uh, did you see that play? I didn't. No, it was it was a better throw than Brian Hoyer threw. <laughs> you know, it was more catchable than what Brian Hoyer had right, right, to, right. to Adams there. So, I, I mean, was it pass interference? Yes, but I just don't think that. I think it was. I I I think it was not a catchable ball, and I think they should have picked up the flag. And then the last drive, we have to talk about the last drive. And I know the drop hurt around the world, and I know you're going to have a ton to say about this. First and foremost. Before we even get to one of my observations about this last drive, let's just talk about this drop by Devonta Parker. Yeah. What a disgrace. What an absolute embarrassment. Not only does a guy drop a potential play that could set up a, a desperately needed win that could potentially save your season. Okay. It was a guy that you signed to a contract extension. You put your neck so far out yeah. there for Devonta Parker this year. They, they didn't have to pay Devonta Parker a friggin' red cent. He was a bust last year. He caught 31 passes. I understand that they brought him back. I get why they brought him back. You didn't have to extend him. You did extend him. And what does he reward? How does he pay that back? He drops the pass at the end of the game. It was just a, uh, by the way, that might have been the best pass I've ever seen Mac Jones throw. That was a that was dime. 50-yard awesome, rope. Yep, an awesome, awesome pass. Split the defenders right in the bread basket. I mean, I think either of us would have caught that ball. I, it was just – it was so difficult. And look, what you said is, is, is perfect. It's insult to injury because this was the guy that you we, – we as Patriots fans had watched, you know, and said, huh. Well, this wasn't a guy who's shown us anything, right? The day they made they brought him in, I think we both expressed concern about yeah, whether- like, oh, we were like, oh, this is who you're bringing in to fix the problems, exactly. right? And he since he's gotten here, he's really done nothing. He's proven the last like three, four years in the league, he's the worst separator in the league. He just his his metrics back up that he's not that good. His performance in the field, the eye test backs up that he's not that good. It seems like Mac Jones is 
always throwing interceptions when he's targeting. They like, have the every, worst QBR of any co- quarterback wide receiver combo in the NFL the last yes. two years. Okay, Parker, so it's just, it's just literally ev- the worst. That's an advanced stat. Everything about it is just a disaster. Is a disaster. And you paid him. And you paid him. And then that one play just kind of perfectly was a, a perfect microcosm of all of that. Exactly. It was like it was like the perfect guy. It was just like if you really wanted to perfectly embody mm-hmm. the 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 outright failure of this organization the last two seasons, look no further than Devonta Parker dropping that pass, right? <laughs> Matt Patricia was the one that stuck his neck out to bring him yep. in. He was their guy. They have struggled to get him the ball. It just hasn't worked. And then we all saw it didn't work. And you go out and you give him this extension and we're all scratching our heads saying, wait, aren't they gonna sign DeAndre Hopkins? Well, they really kind of painted themselves in a corner despite what they said at the time by paying Parker that money. It limited their ability to make a fair contract offer to DeAndre Hopkins. They keep this guy, they roll with this guy, they give him opportunity. Finally, he somehow gets open because he can't separate. He has one of the worst separation in the NFL, as you alluded to. That's a confirmed advanced statistic. He does not separate. Literally bottom of the league for the last two years. Finally, somehow gets open. Mac throws him one of the best passes of his career in a huge spot with, I guess, the season on the line. And you let it bounce off your hands. In the worst, most insulting part of it all, he's in the post game. He says, it hit off my fingertips. I couldn't quite get it. Did you hear his post game comments? That was. Oh my God. What, what a slap in the face. No, that was right in the bread right in the bread basket. Right in the bread if basket. Though, I've been yeah. practicing medicine for eleven years. <laughs> if those are your fingertips, I need to go back to anatomy class. Okay, that is the palm of your yeah. hand. Just yeah. come out and say you dropped the ball. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Because what he's really doing on that, he's saying, "Oh, the quarterback overthrew me." Exactly. Right? Blaming and, the quarterback because you sucked. Yeah. Well, the quarterback may suck too, Devonta Parker, <laughs> but you really suck. Proven, proven. Proven suck. Yes. That, that was a slap in the face. And then last thought about that drive is that it really was the perfect microcosm for Mac Jones' last two years, if not career in New England, because Parker drops the ball. And then on the next play, sack. the sack. <laughs> and as much as everyone wants to blame Mac Jones for taking that safety, I'm sorry. He gets 0% of that, in my opinion. Valerian Lowe and Mike Gusecki got absolutely both of them. You got two guys on Max Crosby. Yep. Did you watch Valerian, the Gasecki yeah. and Lowe try to block him? Yeah, hell, he got it. It was embarrassing. Yeah. That was like Olay. Ole, that was like bullfighting. Yeah. I, Matt, look, Max Crosby is one of those guys. He makes plays. He's a beast. I love him, but you know, he was double teamed. And it was, it's actually funny because he had the, what was it, the roughing the passer or the unnecessary roughness yeah. call that like kept the Patriots in the game, right? Earlier, yeah. like a few drives. Yeah. That and was a questionable call. By that, right. It that was, was a very questionable call. And he was call. pretty mad about it. Yeah. And then guess what? He, he, he shows up and he, and he makes a big play when it counts. And it's just funny because it's just- where are our guys making big plays? You ever, you ever play football with your friends and there's always that like hardo guy that wants to have lines instead of counting the rush. And like, yeah. and, and so someone has to go out there and like block, you know, yeah. and like those, that blocking by Valerian Lowe, like that looked like some guy like that <laughs> wants to play wide receiver, but it's playing flag pickup football with yeah, his friends yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's trying to block some, I mean, like it was just pathetic. I mean, that was literally pathetic. 
How, and then, oh, by the way, a- Antonio Maffi also got turnstiled. So Mac Jones, you got someone coming from the middle, so you got no pocket to step into. Yeah. And you've got the best pass rusher in the league just blow by two of your guys on your blind side. And I'm, or maybe no, it wasn't on his blind side. It was on the front, but still. Like, yeah. how do you blame the quarterback for that? It's like, it's just, it's terrible. Yeah, he had no way to go and it happened quickly. It happened very quickly. The party just and, collapsed. And, and oh, by the way, don't forget, they took two offensive line penalties on that drive. Yeah. So you got two yeah, offensive two. line penalties penalties piss poor blocking and a drop pass for 50 yards yeah i mean that's that's the microcosm of mac jones's career yeah so whatever you say about mac jones i mean that 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 drive pretty much told the story and the tale of how the patriots have failed him regardless of of what he is or isn't that's that's really what i think perfect metaphor for for max uh max relationship with the patriots all right justin let's go to around the league um, I want to talk about a few things. We got to talk about our boy, first and foremost, your boy, Brock Purdy. Why is everybody just waiting to pounce on this kid? As soon as he has a bad game, you're already hearing the crap. Oh, he's a system quarterback, a system quarterback. I get it. I mean, I'm still not 100% convinced that he is real. I mean, it's just so improbable to think a seventh round draft pick could be this good. But Everyone is entitled, every quarterback is entitled to a bad game on the road, in a tough spot, against a great defense, without his two best weapons. And oh, by the way, he still had them in position to win the game. And yet everybody, I feel like, wants to just jump on this kid and and point, system quarterback, system quarterback, system quarterback, right away. Give it a couple of games. I mean, he's done a lot. He has. He he has done a lot. Uh, To me, the bigger issue with the 49ers and again I, I think Brock Purdy played really well I think you know does he does he strike me as like a world beater right is he like a, a Patrick Mahomes the Jalen Hurts no but is he a good NFL quarterback that can go out there and win games and come up big yes and he's done that to me the bigger issue with the 49ers is what you saw and this has kind of been their biggest issue from day one is their durability right no question about you it you lose and we D- said it three weeks ago those injuries are going to happen for they're, and they're going to happen and that's what you saw you saw Debo Samuel go down you saw Christian McCaffrey go down and then it became a lot harder um, and, and don't forget this like it was still a missed field goal right like if that if that kicker makes that field goal, what was it, Jake Moody if he makes that field goal we're all talking about how Brock Purdy led a game winning drive which he technically did. Right. He did. I mean, he did what he was supposed to right. do. I mean, how many times in Brady's career did, did he, you know, he not have a great game? He didn't throw for 400 yards every week and four touchdowns. There were a lot of games this team won, like, you know, 17 to, to 14 or right. something. Like that. There was a lot of wins like that. Right. I mean, Brock Purdy, it was a tough spot on the road against a great defense. Got him in position to win. He did. Yeah. And it was a reasonable kick and the, and the kicker missed it. So I'm not blaming Brock Purdy in that one. I thought it was, uh, I thought he did well in a tough game. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I wouldn't say he did well, but he play, he did what he had to do and he got his team in position to win the you game. Did, you did what you had to do. And that, at the end of the day, I think you gave your chance to, you gave your team a good chance to win. And that's really all you can ask for out of your quarterback, right? Uh, absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Let's move on to, I know you watch this guy a lot. I do too, because he's our fantasy quarterback, Lamar Jackson. I'm watching that game on Sunday morning and I'm sorry if I'm being honest. And we've been talking about this for a couple of years. Yeah. I think Lamar Jackson is a better passer than people give him credit for. I think he's a good passer. But what really made him elite was his 
the combination of being a very good passer and being an absolute elite athlete, like the fastest guy on the field, Tyreek Hill level fast, and also a good passer. Right. He does not look quite as athletic or fast as he used to. I think you're seeing right now, Lamar Jackson is already showing he's a half step slower than he was maybe a year or two ago. And that that might be why, even though he's a very good and maybe even still a great quarterback, he he's 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 not quite what we hoped he would be. Yeah, he does look a half step slower. You know, I wonder how much of that is maybe this new, I don't know, like a new approach to trying to keep him healthy because he's had durability issues, right? He's had health problems. You know, you wonder you wonder how much of that is uh is you know them trying to say hey you know we don't need you to 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 be Michael Vick out there right like we we we'd rather you be healthy, um, but I but feel like even when he we, when he talked and ran right. he he, you know, he he's does. fast but he's not what he was no before no. and I and I want to just think of that contract and I'm like hey the Ravens really took that right to the bitter end yeah. and really didn't see you know they really. They didn't jump into that contract. And I think that was why, to be honest with you, because they knew that this guy was not going to age well. His game was not going to age well, at least in terms of being an elite quarterback, because even a small loss of speed and mobility would, would affect him. Yeah. And look, luckily, he still has that passing to fall back on. Well, he does. He, you know what I mean? He can still be a, a pretty athletic quarterback, and, and, and he has that arm to fall back on. But... You know, it is funny that you see him get that big contract and it comes right on the heels of him seemingly being. I think Lamar Jackson is a good enough passer and a good enough decision maker that even if he was relatively immobile, he would still be a fifth to 10th best quarterback in, in the I league. I can see that, yeah. But but what he won't be is an MVP or a top five quarterback. And that's really what he was. And that might be what that franchise needs to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, and they're not getting it right now. They're getting good quarterback play. They're not getting MVP quarterback. That's exactly. Right. They're getting good right. quarterback play from not MVP play. And I and and maybe it was the field in London because I know a lot of players have complained about that too. But mm. he he really just didn't look quite as fast as, as he has in the past. Yesterday, um, Justin, if the season ended today, the Cleveland Browns would be in the playoffs as the seventh seed, which I think is amazing. The Steelers would be the sixth seed, by the way. Yeah. Um, I feel like they've done this not because of Deshaun Watson but in spite of him only four touchdown passes he's only thrown for 700 yards this year in, in, a, in a relatively okay 87 QBR I think back to that Baker Mayfield you know throwing him out of town and the amount of money they've committed to to Deshaun Watson and I just it, I don't know I, I mean yes they're winning yes they're in the playoffs if the season ended today it feels like that contract was really a big mistake. Like, couldn't the Browns be the seventh seed in the playoffs with this team with Baker Mayfield or 15 other guys, frankly, for that matter, at quarterback? Easily. Yeah. I mean, I look, I, I think we both were of the mindset that uh, Baker Mayfield shouldn't have been, you know, kind of pushed out of Cleveland. And nobody, you know, look, I, I heard there were plenty of people who didn't think, Desha you know, Deshaun Watson was going to come back as the same old Deshaun Watson, especially after taking well, almost two years, two years off, off, right? Yeah. Um, but like, I don't plenty think- Plenty of people, including us, by right, the way. Right. <laughs> but did I, 
I, I thought it would still be a little better than yeah. this. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they're really getting, you know. Uh, the I mean, word. the gist, I think, of what I believe, and I think you agree with me, is that, look, um, Deshaun Watson is better than Baker Mayfield, but he's not so much better than him that it was worth the investment and the commitment they made to him. No. But really what we're seeing right now is that Deshaun Watson really isn't even a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield or any number of guys. I mean, he's a, been a bottom third kind of quarterback. I mean, you know, is 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 Deshaun Watson better than Jimmy Garoppolo? Is he better than, you know, I mean, you could go around the league. Is he better than the guy the Browns just traded, Dobbs yeah. to Arizona? Like, I feel like there's 15 guys you could probably plug in there. I mean, look at what they committed to this guy. This is this is an epically bad contract. It's funny. It's it almost I always feel like these new contracts are like cursing these quarterbacks. I feel like these, you know, they're getting in these these new contracts, then, you know, they're they're, they're, they're falling flat. You look at guys like, you know, Daniel Jones, look at guys like, you know, Lamar's not living up to his MVP type season. You got, you got guys like Deshaun Watson. Uh, look around the league and look at all these big quarterbacks that have been paid off. Even Joe Burrow's having a disappointed season. He just got this big contract. It's like these big contract quarterbacks, you know, it's tough because with what they're coming out and getting paid, these contracts, they're setting a bar for themselves. I feel like that, like, you know, while it's, don't get me wrong, these quarterbacks are not playing up to their potential, right? But it's almost like when you tell the public that you're worth this amount of money, the expectations jump. Yes. And so it's like, it's not just enough for you to be a good quarterback. You have to be a great quarterback. And all these quarterbacks, I think what we're seeing is like, none of these quarterbacks are panning out or at least currently performing to be great quarterbacks. And it's compounding on the fact that they just got those big contracts. It's making it seem that much worse. You can't call it hindsight for us either, because we right. said all this, you can go back and listen. We said all this two years ago, like just, it was a, it was a huge mistake. I think at the time um, to go after Watson, we all knew we hadn't played in two years. They gave up literally the farm to get him, yeah. made a huge financial commitment as well. And and for what purpose, really? For a guy that honestly, like, even when I panned that deal and criticized it when it first happened, I even thought Watson would be better than what he's been. And Me it's too. just been a huge, huge dud, huge disappointment. Um, let's talk about the AFC right now, the, the AFC wild card picture, Justin. Right now, if the season ended today, the three wild cards would be the Bills, the Steelers at six, and the Browns at seven. You also have the Jaguars in the playoff field, who are a mediocre team. The AFC playoff field doesn't look quite as robust as I think we thought it was going to be. Now, I think it's safe to say a really good team from the AFC East is going to be filling one of those two, one of those three wildcard spots. It's either going to be Miami or Buffalo based on who wins the division. I mean, the other team is going to be a legitimate playoff team. But for that six and seven seed right now, who, who do you want to see in those final two playoff spots? Who deserves to be there? Who will be there? Uh, I, you know, that's, it, it's tough. I, cause there's a lot of football left to be played. It's a lot. Um, but you know who I would love? I'd love to see sneak into the playoffs and I call, call me crazy, but I love what, what D'Amico Ryan and CJ Stroud are doing down oh, in Houston. Oh, that'd be crazy. I mean, that, that team is three and three right yeah. now. They're right they're, in it. They're right in it. 
They're playing legit football. They're in a very weak division, right? Yeah. They, you know, they have some of the weakest conference games. Um, pretty much I, every team in the AFC is in the playoff mix, except for the Patriots the pay, and Denver. Right. Yeah. That's it. Seriously. Like, all you have to do is be three and three. Right. And even two and four, you wouldn't be yeah. totally out of it. The way it's, you see it. Exactly. So I look at that and I'm like, that's a team that I would just, nobody in their right minds, everyone thought they were going to be like the worst team in the NFL, let alone yeah. like a potential playoff team. I would love to see a team like that. Um, I mean, they'd be an exciting team. CJ Stroud right. is an exciting player. He is. And you got to give him credit. I mean, yeah. he, I had some doubts about him. He, he got off to a slow start in training camp. He looked totally lost. Yeah. I mean, he's been terrific. I think if the draft was redone today, he would clearly be the number one pick. Yeah. Like, there's no question. But I mean, that might be a mistake from Carolina. And I know Bryce Young looked a little better yesterday, but you so, can't tell me no. that if the draft wasn't redone today, that, 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 you you wouldn't take CJ Stroud over Bryce Young. Definitely, you definitely take it. CJ Stroud. I, I look at Bryce Young and I say, how is this guy the number one pick? And it's funny because I was thinking about that trade. You know, I was looking at the teams ahead of the Patriots in the draft, yeah. and the Bears are going to have two picks ahead of the Patriots because they have the Panthers pick, right. and they got the the best player in that trade. So you not only do you get the draft pick, you got DJ Moore, who's paying dividends for that Chicago team already. Yep. Um, what a heist that was. I know, I know. All for Bryce Young. For Bryce Young. Who, See, who I'm like, what is so special about this guy? This isn't Andrew Locke. We, and I think we both said- We like, did. I, I think we both said at the time that like coming into the draft, I thought he was number three on my list of the big three quarterbacks. You did. Um, so like, no, I just, I. it's one of those things again, where, you know, none of us are experts, but it's just funny how things can seem so blatantly and obvious to us. And I'm not totally us, but like, diminishing um, Bryce Young either, because right. he might develop into a very good quarterback, but I look at his physical skill set, and I'm sorry, like, I mean, he 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 strikes me more of the Tua Tagliavoloa, Brock Purdy, Mac Jones, Jared Goff camp, the guy that you probably can win with if you surround him with the right pieces. I don't see an Andrew Locke or or some Pat Mahomes or Cam Newton, a guy that just physically is 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 going to be a great player because of his physical talent. No, no, a hundred percent no. But but yeah, it, it's it, it you know. It, it, super, super interesting situation developing with, with CJ Stroud. And then, you know, my second team, uh, second team out of the AFC. I'll, give, I'll tell you right now one that's going to be in it. They're what? playing with the Bengals. The Bengals, yeah. The Bengals right now are the 12th seed in the AFC. Right. They're in the playoffs one way or the other. They could still win that division. Right. Baltimore, I don't know if the Bengals and Baltimore have played yet. I don't think they have. But Baltimore has been a little bit underwhelming. And the Bengals one way or the other – I feel like with Burrow getting healthy, he's played well two weeks in a row. Clearly, part of what happened at the start of the season was was health. Um, I don't know if Burrow is in that Mahomes-Allen level. I've said that before, but he's obviously a very a great quarterback, a very good quarterback. The Bengals are going to be there. I think they'll be there too. Now they did actually. So the Bengals and Ravens did play already. The, okay. The Ravens. Beat oh, that's them. right. The Ravens right. beat them. Yeah. Ravens beat them. But look, my the the, the Bengals are coming. Up, I think it's funny because you you talk about the Ravens or uh, the Bengals. I think the Bengals in the last two seasons, now and in, in, in extending into this season, were coming off of like. Um, one in three starts or something like that to start like the last three years consecutively, right? And I look at the last like three years and I say, okay, Joe Burrow working his way back from a torn ACL. Inevitably, they put it together. They make the Super Bowl, right? The following year, Joe Burrow working his way back from appendix surgery right before the start of the season, right? Misses training camp. 
works his way back. They were one dumb play away from going back to the Super Bowl, right? right? This year, Joe Burrow strains his calf. They He misses the preseason. They start one and three. And now what do we see? Back-to-back weeks pulling out um, good good victories, right? In Arizona and then in in, in Seattle. So look, I agree with you. This is a team that they could get hot um, and they could, they could, you know, do some damage in the AFC for sure. And then the number 13 seed is the Chargers. I don't believe in that team. Me I never either. have. And I don't think they'll be in. I think that team is a total fraud. The coach is a fraud. And I think the quarterback is kind of a fraud too. So I'm not buying yep. into the Chargers. How about this? The Indianapolis Colts, who I think all of us thought were, were the worst team or one of the worst teams in football, are going to be the number eight seed. And for the purposes of their 2023 season, they probably are better off with Gardner Minshew as their quarterback. I mean, they're going to be a viable wild card team with Jonathan Taylor coming back, good defense, yeah, some good skill position talent. And Gardner Minshew, I'm sorry, guy, guy is not a bad quarterback. Not a He's bad. not a bad quarterback at all. No, as a matter of fact, I put Garner Minshew up as, you know, he's one of those borderline starters, like elite tier backups. Yeah. That's that's what I would say. I mean, the so. Colts are better off on them. Uh, I watched the uh, Giants and the Bills last night, Justin. Uh, I, I, I don't hold it against the Bills that they had to eke out a tough victory at home. In fact, I think it's a tremendous credit to them that they were able to find a way to win. It just yeah. feels like the team with the better quarterback usually wins that game. And that's exactly what happened last night. But I will say on a couple things about that game. Number one is the Giants are a better team with Tyrod Taylor as their quarterback than Daniel Jones. To me, it's very apparent. I think that team has major fundamental problems. I think Tyrod Taylor is a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. You might disagree with me. Well, I've always thought Daniel Jones was kind of a bum, so I'm not going to disagree with you at all. Yeah. Um, no, you know, it's, it's ironic too because Tyrod also – Made a couple of uh, uh, dumb decisions. I mean, I know that he took a lot of flack for uh, the how the first half ended. And, that that you know, probably cost him the game. It probably cost him the game, right? But at the end of the day, like, weirdly enough, like, if Daniel Jones was the quarterback, do you think it would have been no, as No, I think they would have lost, yeah. like, 28 to, to 10 or something. And I agree. You know. So, um, you know, not to say that Tyrod Taylor's a, a good quarterback, but I – He's a scrappy quarterback, but he's like a Gardner yeah. Minshew. You know, no one yeah. ever wants to give him a chance, but whenever he's in there, he wins games and, and plays reasonably well. I mean, guys like Minshew, Tyrod Taylor, they're 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 surefire tickets to seven or eight wins, and no team wants to settle for a ceiling of mediocrity. And that's why these guys never get starting gigs. It's better to go a lot. I think a lot of franchises view it that it's better to bring in. <laughs> A younger guy or bring in a, um, a, a different guy or a guy that might have a higher ceiling than to roll with a guy who you know is going to make you a six to nine win franchise at best. And that's why these guys get kicked around the league. But that said, these guys come in and they win games when they do get their opportunities. And Tyra Taylor has won games. Um, Gardner Minshew has won games. No one's yeah. going to ever confuse these guys with franchise quarterbacks, but they're good enough to win with. Yep. And, that, and that's exactly what you're seeing. You know, the Giants are an interesting franchise. I'll put it that way. The, the Giants might be the only team franchise in the NFL that I think is in a worse position than the Patriots. And, and what I find so funny about this is you look at the Belichick coaching tree right now, yeah. Brian Dable, Josh McDaniels, and Belichick, all three of those teams are frighteningly similar in their inability to score points, yeah, the deficiencies yeah, yeah. and holes on their rosters. Okay. Um, 
it's it's there's something to that where this Belichick way of doing things and this school of thought is not working anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's it's starting to rear its head. It's starting to rear its head, but you're yeah. seeing, and we talked about it extensively in in New England. Fine, look at the New York Giants as another as another textbook example that that team is built a lot like the Patriots are built, and they suck too, and they have a lot of the same problems that the Patriots have. The Giants do. But but the only reason I think the Giants are worse off than the Patriots, frankly, is because they've made a huge commitment to their quarterback. Right. The one thing the Patriots can say is they can they can walk away from Mac Jones tomorrow and they can bring in the next guy and it's not going to be a weight around the neck of their cap. The Giants have two anchors around their neck. One is Daniel Jones. The other is Saquon Barkley. Huge mistakes. Huge mistakes. There's 20 running backs in the NFL, if not more, that can do exactly what Saquon Barkley does every week. You paid him $14 million. There, there's 30 quarterbacks that can do what Daniel Jones does yeah. you paid him 40 million dollars yeah. you gotta walk away you gotta walk away it's frightening it's scary to go into the draft to rebuild to find the next guy but that's what it's all about you yeah. can't make these commitments to players that that don't deserve them they kill your franchise the giants are not going to be able to rebuild that franchise because they have made commitments that they're stuck with yeah they're yeah abso with. absolutely um, and then last, Justin, we got to talk about the Detroit Lions before we wrap it up. I mean, we we said last week we named our four elite teams or our elite teams. We both named the same four teams. The Detroit Lions are five and one. They I continue know. to win. And, and they, they let's be fair. They look stacked on both sides of the ball. They, they look, look stacked. They, they have a good. lot of good players. You talk about a team that's drafted well. I mean, even this year's draft, last year's draft, that team is loaded with talent. Jared Goff, I always felt like was underrated as a player. I, I just think he got a raw deal. You know, I mean, you look at his production. He had some really good years with the Rams. For some reason, Sean McVay did not like Jared Could Goff. Could you see a similar situation with like a Mac Jones yes. and a Jared Goff? Of course. Yeah. Mac, Mac, Jared Goff is the, the textbook paradigm yes. for, Mac, for what Mac Jones hopes to do with his career, right. which is go somewhere good and show that he is worthy. I mean, is Jared Goff more talented physically than Mac Jones? I would say mm, no. They're comparable. Say they're pretty similar, yeah. Pretty similar players physically. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sean McVay, for some reason, was never happy with Jared Goff. The guy would always throw for like 28 touchdowns, 4,000 yards. Hey, he's not Pat Mahomes. He was a damn good quarterback. They made it to a Super Bowl and lost. And Sean McVay just threw him away like he was discarded tissue. I find that trade interesting. We really do because yeah. it, it's the rare – it's the rare – Trade big trade in the NFL that I think you could argue was a win-win. It was a win-win because the definitely. Rams they went into that trade and they wanted a Super Bowl and they won their Super Bowl and the Rams did that knowing that they might have a bad two or three, four or five years after. They didn't care. Right. They felt like they could win a Super Bowl if they got Matt Stafford and they did it. Now they're struggling. They're they're actually seventh in the NFC. They'd make the playoffs if the season ended today. Yeah. And they've kind of rebuilt. Credit to Sean McVay. But on the other side of it, the Lions. I think got a good quarterback in Jared Goff and a ton of draft capital. Jamison Williams, by the way, had a touchdown yesterday. Yeah. So, so I know he hasn't done much, but but there's still hope for him. I mean, that that's a win-win trade. Big time. Like you said, you can't think of too many that work out like very well for both teams, but they have. It's worked out yeah. very well for both teams. You wonder what the Lions ceiling with Jared, with Jared Goff is. You know what I mean? Like, well, well, how is it any different than the Niners with Brock Purdy? You know, I mean, who, 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 you know, who do you trust more in the playoffs? Well, look, so look, I, the Jalen big, Hurts. I mean, look, put Jalen Hurts resume against Jared Goff's. I mean, they both lost the Super Bowl. Well, no, for sure. I guess, so look, that's the big thing, right? Is you would say that Jared Goff was a good quarterback in LA. The big reason why they shipped him out, obviously for what you just said is they felt like 
he couldn't win them a Super Bowl. They needed to bring in somebody who, by the way, had never won a Super Bowl right. to come in and win who, them who a Super Bowl. Who was like the Bowl, quintessential, right? like high volume statistic loser exactly. in Matt Stafford. Which is, so it tells you that like, hey, they didn't <laughs> think Jared Goff's ceiling was a Super Bowl winning quarterback, right? So you wonder like, what are you going to get from this Detroit team? Like, do they think he can win a Super Bowl? Could he get them to a Super Bowl? You like, look you at know? the NFC right now, and yeah. I think there's three elite teams, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and we're arguing if Detroit should be the third. Right. Of all those teams, who has the most experienced quarterback, most playoff experienced quarterback? Jared, the most, Goff, it's Jared yeah. Goff. He's yeah. been he, he's been to the Super Bowl just like Jalen Hurts has. Yeah. He, he's won playoff games. He's probably won more playoff games than Jalen Hurts. He has he – has, more experienced than either of those guys. Yeah, I mean, wrong. just just saying, you know, I mean, the guy, it just goes to show, to your point, when you take this uh, these kind of players and you surround them with talent, and that Detroit team is loaded with talent, receivers. They got like three good, four good receivers, yeah, yeah. a good tight end, two good backs. They got a terrific offensive line. Penny mm -hmm. Sewell is an anchor, um, a good defense I mean, what you can get from a from a player like that, and that's really that, that the Detroit Lions are the embodiment of that. So, if you ask me right now, I'm I'm expanding my elite. I'm, I'm making it my elite five teams, and I'm including Detroit. They're five and one. They have the most experienced quarterback. They should be in the conversation. They've earned it at they've this point, it. and they've beaten some decent teams. They have, you know, they beat the Chiefs. They they've beat the Seahawks. They they've won some. Uh, they beat the. Uh, Packers, they've in Lambo, they've won some good games against some good teams. If you're looking as a Patriots fan for like things you can get behind on this year, which looks to be a down year, I mean the Detroit yeah. Lions are gonna become America's team yeah. over the next two months. I mean, everybody's gonna be rooting for that team it, in the postseason. It isn't it kind of funny how like Dan Campbell is like the antithesis of Bill Belichick. Oh yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So it's, I don't know. It's just funny to see that. And, and what's funny too is, you know, you, people talk about Dan Campbell now, like he's one of the best coaches in the league and he's earning that right. But two years ago, he was an idiot. People yes. thought of him as an idiot. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now, now, yeah. it's like, now it's just funny how quickly the narrative yeah. has changed around Dan Campbell. And you know what? I'm all for it because I, I like the guy. I think, I think, I think a lot of fans like the guy. I think he's very easy to relate to and to identify with. And and you have to give him credit. He's done a great job. He he's has. done a great job. They've done a great job both on the field and how they're coached and off the field and how they built that team. Let's talk, Justin, a little bit about – there's one more. Oh, we, we got to bring up the Jets. They got to bring up the, the Jets. And, and the they're Eagles, winning yeah. games with Zach Wilson. We've said for – years that team is talented if they could just get someone to play decent at quarterback they would be a, a formidable team the last three weeks that is exactly what they have been zach wilson is playing better than he's ever played in his career not perfect still limited player but enough with a very good team to beat a very good team yesterday at home the new york jets are relevant even without aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and honestly, you, you kind of like to see it. Like, I, even as like a Patriots fan, it was like I felt so bad when Rodgers went down. I was like, damn, this was the team fan base that like I finally thought was going to get a chance to see you know a, a decent team in the field. Um, I kind of like it. I don't like Zach Wilson. I, I actually really dislike Zach Wilson, but I I'm kind of not against the Jets. I I'm really not anti-Jets. I really dislike Zach Wilson too. 
But but what he's done is he's he's gone from just being a total disaster and shit show. Yeah. Who turns the ball over two, three, four times a game to a guy that just, you know, makes the plays when they're there. He didn't, I don't think he turned the ball over yesterday. He didn't throw an interception. Let's the running game and the defense win. That's what he did. That's what he does. And it's working. It works. It's working. They're a good team. Yeah. And I think I think they're an interesting team. And I, they're the kind of team that, and I hate to say this because I'm just programmed to hate the Jets, but they're the kind of team that an old school football fan like myself kind of enjoys rooting for because they win in a way that is ex anthem to what the league has become. Yes. And, and, and I do like that. All right, Justin, any more final thoughts before we wrap it up for the week? Uh, we got, Patriots got... Buffalo at home. And I, I said to my father this week, I, you know, we we're talking about going to the game. And I was like, you know, it'd be really nice to go and get a nice um, old school ass kicking by Buffalo. It'll really take us back to the early 90s yeah, where yeah. the Jim Kelly Bills used to come into Foxborough and blow the doors off the Patriots. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots play well this week. I, I really wouldn't. I, I don't I don't know. Um, I, I don't have a lot of expectations and hopes. You know, it's, I think we're more going for the experience, but it, it, this could be an ugly one. I, it could be an ugly one. I mean, you know, you'd like to think that the Patriots will go, will go out there and be competitive, but, you know, something tells me, something tells me it might start out competitive, but eventually it's going to end up like a, like a 30 to 10 game, yeah. you know? Well, I, it's, well, look, it's hard to keep up when, when, when the other team has a, a, an established franchise quarterback and you don't in, in today's NFL. I mean, it was hard. 25 years ago it's impossible now to keep up with teams like that yeah and i don't know how the um the giants game last night i feel like if the that was kind of the game the bills kind of got a little bit caught off guard by i, I have a hard time seeing them come in and, and, and get into a slugfest two weeks in a row yeah no i think they probably come in here and uh, take care of business that's, you know, that's one other I observation I, I meant to bring up we'll talk about this next week when we talk about the patriots but I, I wanted to talk about what the biggest mistakes this team has made besides mac jones um over the last three years personnel wise i meant to bring that up earlier we'll save this topic for next week but one thing i have to say before we wrap it up is they went in the patriots went into their that game yesterday with literally one player from the 2022 draft on their roster. And that's Tyquan Thornton. Cole Strange was injured. Everyone else has been cut or, 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 or not on the active roster, on the bench, traded. It's just, if you're looking for reasons why this team can't keep up with a team like the Buffalo Bills, mm -hmm. you have to look at the draft failure of 2022 as a, as a principal reason why. Not one player, that draft is shaping up to be as bad a draft as the Patriots have ever had in the Bill Belichick era. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just another example of blown opportunities. You know, we've been saying this for a long time as Patriots fans, like, you know, guys that we've passed up on, uh, guys that we've traded down and it, 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 it just, the list goes on and on. Um, and when you see the product in the field, I think it all just makes sense. I mean, the Patriots right? 22, 2022 draft might be the worst draft I've ever seen. Because I really there. believe that because they 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 were they were in the middle of the round so it was not they were at the back and they they took two guys with their first two picks mm -hmm. that were supposed to be fifth round picks and both of them suck right when you go that it's not just missing on a pick when when a guy like Christian Gonzalez is there and you miss on him because everyone in the world says take that guy and you take him and say he doesn't work out that's one thing when you stick your neck out 
and you've got Sean McVay laughing at you. We thought he was going to be around in the fourth round for Cole Strange, and he sucks. And then you do it again in the second round with Tyquan Thornton. That's just historically bad drafting. Awful. And it's again, it's part of the – it's not just bad drafting. It's, it's drafting where you look at it and you say that was done – to make a statement. Like that was supposed to be one of those, I'm the smartest guy in the room yep. picks. Yep. And so it wasn't just a bad pick. It was a pick fueled and motivated by by hubris and ego. That, that's exactly right. And the most dangerous people in yeah. the world are people that are think they are smarter than they really are. Right. That is true for everything in life. Yep. And it was certainly true with that 2022 draft class where they and Macro was so smarmy after that draft. You remember his comments and some of the things he said that summer about the players he drafted. And you look, I mean, Cole Strange isn't even on the field. And when he does get out there, he sucks. And Tyquan mm-hmm. Thornton consistently does nothing. I think he caught one pass yesterday. It's it's just unbelievable. Pierre Strong is in Cleveland. Karen Harris is gone. Yeah. Um, the, the defensive backs, Marcus Jones and Jack Jones, haven't played it down yet this year. Um, Jack Jones has said all kinds of off-the-field problems. A historically bad draft class. For sure. 100%. All right, brother. We'll get more into that next week. We'll, that's our that's our homework assignment to think about um, mistakes besides Mac Jones <laughs> that have led the Patriots into this situation because I do have a few other ones. We'll talk about that next time. All right, brother. Well, we'll see what happens. That's all the time we're going to take for this episode of the Dr. Football Podcast. Enjoy the NFL. Enjoy the game this week against Buffalo if you can. It might be ugly. Hopefully the weather will be good at least. And uh, we'll Catch you next week, everyone.